The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. The Professional Casual Network has gear. Check out teespring.com slash store slash professional casual for fresh new swag. A huge shout out to our sponsor, beardeddragongames.online. Pick up all your local game store goodness from Magic the Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, or Wafurp 4th Edition, as well as terrain, paints, board games, comics, and more. Make sure to use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout for free domestic shipping or PCME10 for 10% off your total order at beardeddragongames.online. Also, a special thanks to Built Bar for sponsoring the show. To get 10% off your order and to help support the show, use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout or use the link in the show notes. Go ahead and stop me if you've heard this one. Why are elevator jokes so good? It's because they work on so many levels. gentlemen this is your host d to the d dr d reaching out through the supervision free source of infinity interfacing i am joined today by my partner in infinity b to the t brady t what's going on my man i got on my fancy pants to dancey dance i don't understand that reference but all right so it sounds it sounds nice today on arachne we are going to be talking about the last cube free or die event that happened this past weekend I am excited to talk about it, especially because I wasn't there, so I'm really interested to hear everything about it. Hey, uh, I'm excited to talk about how great I did, but I should probably talk about business first. Yes, let's do that. Arachne is a part of the Professional Casual Network. If you would like to support the network, please sign up for our Patreon or purchase some hot swag at streamlabs.com professional casual network one. I'm happy to announce that we got our first digital nomad, the glorious, glorious person that he is. I admit, I don't actually know his name because when the information was sent to me, it didn't have a name on it, but you know who you are and know that we love you. We are also sponsored by frontline gaming and wouldn't you know it? LVO got announced. ACO is going to happen. So the next big event for them that I'm at least aware of is LVO. Obviously, LVO is much bigger than ACO. It actually has Infinity stuff in it. Make sure you use the link. Go over there. Buy your tickets if you intend to go. I did actually look at the Infinity stuff the last time I was at LVO. I was actually I was impressed. I thought it was cool. It was right next to the MCP tables, actually. So if you're over there, you'll be able to see the entire professional casual network if you're a lover of everything that we do here. So do that. Use the link, please. And we can never forget our sponsor, Mr. Laser at MrLaser.square.site. He has been making Shatterpoint stuff, which just came out. It has been a tidal wave of excitement. He does, in fact, sell the models, and he also will be selling some bits and gubbins and stuff like that. I'm not sure when it's going to officially come out, but I know that he's making tokens, and I'm assuming you can use the MCP trays because they do use the same base sizes. So I think that that is also applicable. So if you need those kinds of things, go over and buy those. They are amazing. I absolutely love his trays. They're some of the best things I own. So Cube Free, another one in the books. I've gone to all of them except for the very first one since after COVID. I don't know what they were called before COVID, but I've been going to all of them. Derek always runs an amazing event. Him and Erin absolutely joys to be around. The event itself always very, very well run. 
and we go and get sushi afterwards where everybody makes fun of me because I am a chiropractor and we talk about sciatica a lot. Uh, it's a shame, Brady, was you were not able to join us. I, I am very disappointed to miss it, but I was very excited going out in the woods and LARPing. Uh, you know, if it's the 12th bell, go to the murder shack and you're going to get your ass kicked. And I went and did it and I, you know what happened? I got my ass kicked and it was great. That's that's a shame. How long were you out? You were running around the woods. Yeah. Uh, How long were you out there? Uh, our game runs 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every single uh, from Friday to Sunday, essentially. That's cool. Like it's like a three-day event. Yeah. Do you guys like all go to the same hotel or is there anything like that? No, we use a 4-H camp. So essentially that was one of the last events before the summer. We were actually cleaning up all our, like cleaning up the site as the like staff for the camp are coming in and being like, why are all these people dressed in 1700s garb looking like just the biggest dweebs? And it's like, Mr. Big Dweeb to you, teenager. You want to shout it out if anybody has interest in LARPing? Oh, yeah. Port Catherine. It's part of the Red Feather role-playing organization. We also run two other LARPs. But yeah, if anyone's ever interested in getting into really big nerd, you know, not just putting, like, you know, people on a tabletop, but putting on elf ears and going out in the woods and each other with sticks, you know, D&D out in the woods, uh, hit me up. I will I will help you get in on to all that. It's great fun. I should actually join you for a LARP one of these days. I've, I've always been interested in it i guess i'll take you when we're when it's not overlapping one of the cube for your dies because i am very disappointed to miss it so tell me a little bit more what happened at cube for your die did you win medalist i didn't i am happy to report that i came i saw and i got 19th out of 24 positions uh the last place was taken by derek again because we had a no show near the end i will say Every event, I think, gets better. There's always like a table that sticks out for being not the best table there. But at least this time, I didn't see any tables that were like gratuitously really bad. Not that that's usually the case. There's usually only like one bad example. But I think this event, I didn't see any table where I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how this happened, which is amazing. Honestly, that alone is like a great endorsement for a good solid infinity event. I mean, that's really good to hear just because I sent a table with my buddy because he's like, hey, can I borrow a table? I'm like, yeah, here's my table. So if you said, oh, there was one really bad table, it was Brady's table and even show up. Fuck that guy. What a what a jerk hole. Yeah. Yours was the block C terrain, right? Yes. I have a whole set of block C. I looked at it and I was like, I'm, I was wondering if it was supposed to be like Corregidor, the like the inner part of the ship. No, it's just the 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 micro series block C. The only the only thing I find with that set is it doesn't have a lot of size one blocking. If so, if you buy the set online, you really and I knew this when I bought it. I'm just planning on like 3D printing or purchasing some size one blocking terrain because that set has a lot of really good big blocking pieces, but not that like oh I get cover, but I can also see you because the board itself looks like. The inner part of a prison, I guess. You should get like tires, like tire barricades where they're on fire or hobo grills where it's like the the cans where they do the fires in them. Yeah, the, the drum with the fire in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That'd drum. be a fun little painting project. <laughs> Make all your uh, HVTs just homeless people. <laughs> like cooking hot dogs. <laughs> trying to stay warm inside the prison. How this all went very terribly wrong. How did this happen? Uh, yeah, it was, an, it was a really fun event. I did very bad. I will truthfully say, I think I played okay. My first, and I'm kind of going a little bit ahead of myself, but the first game, the guy bought me lunch because of how bad my dice were. Uh, My second game, I managed to win. And my third game, my opponent said that he had, that he was also sorry for how my dice were. So I don't know. I feel like I played okay, but there was a couple situations where I was like, I don't, 
I don't know what happened. So I get, I, obviously, I guess we'll get into it. Well, just remember, the one rule I learned in competitive 40K when I played it, you could blame your dice for 24 hours, then you got to figure out what you could have done better. So we're a little bit past the 24-hour mark, so you got to keep the complaining, you know, to a dull roar on the dice. Due to editing magic, this could have happened at any time. I can make it sound like whatever I want. The, the glory of uh, controlling the narrative. You're going to edit me to say something really stupid yeah, right now. Complete. Oh, banana, <laughs> banana pants. Oh, how, did you, how, oh could you, no. how could you edit that? Oh, butts. All right. Anyway, so I guess we will start from the beginning, right? To put this into perspective, let's talk about tournament prep. Going into this event, it is a regular 300-point event. There were three scenarios, and they were all 300-point lists. As far as I am, at least as far as I'm aware, there were no add-ons. There were no like Soldiers of Fortune or anything like that. The three scenarios were looting and sabotage, highly classified, and firefight. Now, if you want to go to an infinity event, it's a very good idea to figure out how it is that your two-list format is going to approach the scenario layout. Now, this was just a three-game event. The math completely changes if you have a five-game event, but when you have a three-game, you can be a lot more concise with your list editing. Usually... When I make my lists, I make them for board. I usually go with, I have a board, I have a list for boards that are very open. And then I have a list that are for boards that are very close up. That's how I usually do it. I actually broke my general rule for this one because highly classified and firefight are like weird inverse versions of the same coin because they're very classified deck heavy. So I was thinking, well, let me make a list that's more optimized for those two scenarios. And then my other list will be my looting and sabotage list because looting and sabotage does need some very like specific things to really get the job done because you have to go hit the AC unit. Now, the AC unit can only be hit by things that have the anti-material rule trait, whatever you want to call it, which at least in my opinion, the easiest access to it is usually DA weapons. So a DA close combat weapon. Thankfully, I was playing Bakunin as I often do. The Morlock has access to a DACC weapon, which is very, very good. Morlocks are great. And if you could get a Morlock up to the AC unit, you have a very good chance of beating the thing. Spoiler alert, I never got to the AC unit. <laughs> I don't even think I got out of my deployment zone for the first game. You'll find out shortly why. But to fully encapsulate the thing that is my own D uh, for Doofus, Dr. Doofus here, the morning before, I was like, you know what? Let me get sleep. Usually, I always stay up way too late before an event so I can paint models. Right. Because I, you know, I usually go there just to show off fancy models and get eighth. This time I was like, you know what? I'm feeling very tired. I had a rough week of work. Let me just go into it fully refresh, blah, blah, blah. So I go to bed. I don't plug my phone in. So I wake up. I don't have an alarm. So I wake up 10 minutes before one of the other people that are going to the event. It was coming over. We were going to carpool there. Thankfully, the lady, a uh, beautiful woman that she is, because she's uh, she's helping me edit these things now. So I got to be careful about what I say. Uh, the beautiful, uh, super attractive lady that uh, I live with. She woke me up because she knew that our friend, my friend was coming over. And thankfully, I had just enough time to take a shower, brush my teeth and all that stuff and charge the phone up to like 20% so that we could drive up to New Hampshire from Boston. So my rule number one is make sure you go to bed and plug your phone in. <laughs> make sure when you wake up, you have a phone. Uh, I will I will actually add one of the things I've started bringing to every single event, and it almost just permanently lives in my dedicated uh, carrying cases, is an external battery with whatever cord I need to plug in with my phone. Um, also, usually an extra co uh, cord to plug into my iPad, because I tend to use both at the gaming table. So you don't have that problem. You can always charge your phone midway through the game. Smart. 
I didn't do that. So oh, thankfully, if she won with all that, all that Patreon, all that Patreon money coming in, <laughs> getting the big, the big bucks. Uh, all the money that you donate to the podcast to the podcast goes straight back to the podcast. So thankfully, he shows up. We get in the car. I put all my. We're I'm kind of in a rush, so I'm just like, let's get the stuff in the car. Thankfully, I did prepare and all the models on my tray. So I bring my Mister Laser tray. I have all my models on top of it, and all of my tokens and stuff are on the inside of the bin. I didn't bring a tape measure because I'm dumb, and so. I have all everything else, though, thankfully. All my models are on the top. There are no extra models. Everything on there was essentially things that we're using in the game. One of my general rules is, is if you have a tray that is open to people looking at it, include every hidden deployment model and camouflage model in your faction on top of the list or on top of the tray so that the other person can't predict if you have a HD model or not. Something I've always thought about. So I had a prowler on top. I did actually use the prowler ironic that's about to come up anyway but we're driving there and the only reason i bring this up dear listener is that all of my stuff was in the back with his big heavy bag so you could probably predict what i'm about to say we took a corner a little too fast so my models were squished (laughs) they got a big old heavy smash no no wasn't even upset we eventually get there i look at the tray there's some damage done i'm like it's fine i'll just re-glue everything i go there i buy glue it is an extremely runny glue. I rip off some of my paint because the glue runs like just liquid water. Yeah, I was having a, I was having a real day. Let me tell you. So again, not even upset at this point. I was like, it's just it's just what it is, baby. You know, sto- my I was doing all my stoic training when uh, my stoic philosophy. I was thinking, what would Marcus Aurelius do? So reglue everything. Go into the first game. We're there, baby. I'm ready. I'm ready to play some Infinity. I walk up and I play against a. His ITS name is Nuds. He's a very good player. He actually went to Salt Lake Showdown, I do believe. I think he scored really well, too. Nuds is a very good player. He's very, very good. Great guy, too. We played once before. I forget what faction he played the first time. I want to say it was, it might have been a lift at the time, which whatever. If not, I don't quite remember. But he was playing Vanilla Pano today. Now, as soon as I hear the word Vanilla Pano in my brain, it says, Joan of Arc is going to be in this list. I was like, okay, it's probably going to be a Joan list. It'll probably be one of those irregular inspirational leadership lists where essentially all of your regular orders turn into regular orders, which is really good in looting and sabotage because you get a Bashi Bazook. His order becomes regular because he is in a regular model. You get a little bit more bang for your buck there. He holds a model in reserve. We both roll off. I think he wins the initiative. He decides that he wants to go first, I do believe. And I pick the side. So he holds them. I don't think actually. Another thing. Yeah. Yeah. So he spends a command point as a command token to hold the model in reserve. I'm like, all right, sure. Whatever. So I look at the table and I'm like, hmm, there's a lot of missing stuff on this table. One of those models is probably a tag because all the panel tags are pretty solid. Right. And, but you see the usual stuff. You see a bunch of irregular models and you see Joan hanging out in the backfield. I was like, all right, cool. Whatever. So the list I brought was my looting and sabotage list, which was a reverend team and a bunch of Morlocks. And it was essentially just things that could hit the AC unit. So the Reverend team has access to the Cenobites, which have DA weapons. I was like, sure, I'm going to run that team up, shoot everything on the way up there. And then I'll have a couple backup models and the models that throw the smoke should hopefully be moving with the whole unit so that I can get to the AC unit and then smash it. Well, I put all my stuff down. I think I do okay with my deployment. He drops his two models. It's a dual squallow list. So he didn't have one tag. He had two of them. So he puts those down. And I was like, oh, man, that's real bad. This particular list of mine went through three iterations. So I like to do as many practice games as I can and obviously get feedback from the people I play against. 
The list always changes just oh so slightly. There's an argument you could probably say, again, this kind of goes into the prep thing. There's an argument to say that you should just keep the list the exact same the entire time. I think in this situation, I made the right choice. I think the list did better than it could potentially have. I still did very bad. But he puts down these two squallows. I go second, and I pick the side with more buildings on it So because I'm thinking I, it'll help me cross the, the table. So he goes first. His entire first turn is essentially dedicated to moving the squallows around. Now, I don't play with tags a lot, but if I did, I probably wouldn't play them like he did because he did it right. He took the squallows, pushed up, destroyed the things that he could see, but he never, never at any point overextended the squallows. So I don't think they ever crossed the midline. Now, the great thing about a squallow is that they're very thick. I think their armor, I want to say their armor eight. I think their armor eight. So they're big and thick. If you put them in cover, they're very hard to get rid of if you can't hack them or shoot them in the butt or in some way. And even shooting them in the butt, you got a big thick boy you got to get through. He pushes them up. He shoots down my Mora HMG because I wasn't expecting two squallows. So on one side of the board, I think I deployed a little heavy and I was like, let me poke the Moira HMG out because I didn't see uh, MSV. So I was like, oh, it'd probably be an okay-ish ARO piece. Looking back on it now, probably wasn't a great idea, but obviously she got murdered pretty easily, but just by weight of dice. So he takes down the Moira HMG, takes down my Warcore and takes out my TR bot. He took out my Moira HMG, my Warcore, my Reaction Bot, and a Flash Pulse Bot all in the span of those 10 orders. And then he sets up real comfy in the mid zone. And of course, because he's smart, he brought some bounty hunters on bikes. Now, in this particular scenario, actually, funnily enough, not a lot of people know this. It has, however you want to pronounce it, I'm going to say it wrong. The Penelopes are in it. Now, in this specific scenario, if you access the Penelope. Panopoly. Panopoly, whatever. So the pineapples, if you walk up to the pineapples, <laughs> so if you walk up to the arm boxes, you can take a decharge. You can just opt to take that if you roll successfully to open it. So the good thing about bounty hunters is that they just open it automatically because they have booty. So they're on a bike. They run up. They grab it. He drives up. And of course, this is after the squall kills all my ARO pieces. And he does two wounds to the AC unit before I take him. I take it out with something. This is turn one and I'm already two points down. And a lot of my key pieces are already dead. I start off my turn by taking my Morlock and thinking, all right, I have to be able to get through these Qualos. I'm going to use my Morlocks to throw smoke, right? That'd be a smart move. So I fail to throw the smoke on 16s three times, and I finally get it. My whole plan is to take my Custodier and shoot a pitcher next to one of the Squalls and see if I can total control it. Because thankfully, Custodiers have Hacking Device Plus. Absolutely love them. What can I say? In her group, I have 10 orders. I've already wasted a bunch trying to throw this stupid smoke. Thankfully, I shoot the pitchers and they both land. And unfortunately, the only place I can really put it is out in the open. So I know that that pitcher is not going to survive, but it was the only thing I could do based on the the angles and the smokes I had to lay down and all that. I total control it and it takes me my last order to take it. I would have been cheering and all happy and all that if I had a couple orders with the Squallow to maybe cause some ruckus in the backfield. I knew that he had one token left, so he was going to be able to cancel the total reaction because that is something you can do with your command tokens. With my other group, I had a Taskmaster group because of the Morlocks. He has crazy koalas, so he just moved up a little bit, and I tr- tried to like chunk up the AC unit with some crazy koalas and the Morlocks. His turn comes up. He starts shooting the Morlocks. Koala gets shot because one of the little ledges is just not big enough to cover a size one piece of equipment, so it gets shot before it can actually do anything. Thankfully, he starts spec-firing grenades because that's what squalos can do over to my side of the table trying to take out my custodian who's hiding, and she manages to pass three dodge three dodges on spec fire templates. I was like, dang girl, you got it. 
Good for you. He doesn't manage to actually get up to my AC unit that turn, and I managed to hold it down by essentially just using more locks to chunk up anything that tries to get into my deployment zone. So at this point, I've still not left my deployment zone. Now, my turn comes up. The Taskmaster is essentially my last hope. He's the only attack piece I really still have. He still has some Morlocks, so I'm hoping, okay, if I can somehow destroy one of these Squallows, I can maybe get a run and maybe do a couple wounds to the AC unit. That's really my only hope. My list has a Prowler. So the Prowler is my hidden deployment model that is halfway up the board. The entire game, based on the way the board is made, there's like this this weird just kind of wall slightly on my side of the table that's there. I hid the Prowler behind it. For some reason, I thought Squallows had a direct template defense weapon like most tags do. I was like, oh, he's probably got like a flamethrower or something like that. Squallows, in fact, do not have that. They only have a pistol. My Prowler was essentially sitting there. I never brought it out of hidden deployment because... There was nothing I can do with the stupid thing because he was surrounded by two squallows and a bunch of bounty hunters. So that was 40 points. I never even got to bring onto the table until the very end where I just brought it out into a camo because if you don't, he counts as being dead, but whatever. So my taskmaster moves up, throws another koala up on a roof, hopefully just hoping to chunk up anything that comes my way. And he misses every single shot and he doesn't manage to hit the squallow once. It's amazing. I've absolutely loved it. So he's got a Red Fury. I put him in Suppressive with my last couple orders. At this point, I'm doomed. I know that. So I'm just like, maybe I can not embarrass myself. He goes next. His bikes run up, blows up my server, keeps spec firing my Custodier. Joan runs up and murders my Taskmaster, who is slightly out of my deployment zone on the right side of the table. Turn three, my Morlock kills a bike, and my Bashi actually scores me the HVT. Based on how everything was laid out, he put his HVT near the edge of a board, and it, the Joan just so happened to not be able to see the angle, so the HVT comes out, and I claim the secure HVT uh, classified objective. The score, I had one objective point, and he managed to get 10, so he got the full three tournament points. The victory points, I had 157 points left, so I lost about half my list. He had 267, because I think the only thing I managed to put down was a couple bounty hunters and like some little things like here and there. It was a, it was a pretty bad game. I have to say that I don't have a ton of experience fighting tags. My usual mode of defense is hacking, right? And in that situation, if you go up against a dual, if you go up against a dual tag list, you really hope to be going first so that you can potentially throw a pitcher in a location to take it. I had the Moira HMG, so I I think if I went first, it might have been a little different. Obviously, Nuds is an amazing player, so I mean, he probably would have outsmarted me because I'm dumb. And I think it would have been a different game in that situation. This was definitely a lack of experience in applying what I'm using to the list that I went up against. And, I, and it showed pretty pretty harshly. And I, and again, I think Nuds is, in fact, a pound for pound, a much better player than I am. He's he, he is really good. He was super nice. Obviously, we had a great time. We were laughing and just hooping and hollering as, as I do at events. And it was a great time. Oh, by the way, I should also note that thankfully, thanks to the beautiful Erin, she made me a, I bought her a jean jacket and she, sew, she sewed all of the infinity patches i had under the back of it so because i am a crazed floridian man i took off my shirt and i only wore the jacket for the majority of the event until they turned the ac unit on and then it was a little too cold but thankfully it got warm again so i threw the shirt off again because that's how i be you know so i was looking i lost but i looked good doing it so what you're saying is when you're preparing for your next event it's going to be jean booty shorts and the jean jacket with all the patches. Will you get the trucker hat? I, I know you got the, the classic DD, Dr. D, but I want to see like the truck, the full trucker if hat. I can version. find it. I can certainly try. 
I was actually told that I should try and get a hat with the Velcro so that I could put a patch on top of it. And I was thinking, and so this came up, right? Because um, I'm simping her real hard. I was like, I should, I should get someone to custom make Swagatha art and I should try and get a patch made of it. Maybe like a chibi Swagatha. That will complete the Floridian look. You'd also need like, you know, a Miller Lite or something in the, in while you're playing the game, but probably don't bring those to the, the well, game shop. put it like in a water bottle, a, you know, like a, a colored Genius. water bottle. And then I blame that when I play bad, right? Right, guys? Oh, uh, I was just I was just drinking too much. Uh, I mean, that's my always excuse in 40K after round two or after round one. And it's like, oh, a couple, couple well, of my times. you got to be able to blame something, right? I mean, it can't be the dice. You already told me, so it's got to be drinking. Is there any rules about blaming drinking? Oh, no, it's yeah, encouraged. But stopping to drink, that that's oh. not encouraged. You know, no, you got to drink more. You play better when you're drunk. Come on. I, get another see, beer. You're in the you. master, Brady. I got to learn from you. The, the apprentice. I got, I got the sword somewhere <laughs> to prove it. <laughs> we have lunch at that point. We have a wonderful little rap place nearby. If you ever come to a cube event, we, we usually go to a place. I think it's called Rap City. Uh, they have great raps. So if you ever come to join us at a cube free, know that you will be in good company as we all go on a little excursion over there and we eat it. Thankfully, Erin, again, very thoughtful as she is. She ordered ahead and got a bunch of stuff just delivered to the or she brought it to the store. So we all just ate there. Uh, I ate with a couple people outside. Actually, I ate with Gimli, your your buddy Gimli, and we all just ate outside on the stoop. So we were a bunch of stoop kids. I'm very glad he got in for another one of those tournament prep tips. Sign up early. He realized he hadn't signed up, and he was like, oh no, it filled up. So when you see events and you know you can get into them, sign up as soon as I you I will know you say, can. this also happened, uh, ACO, uh, again, it hasn't happened yet when we are, but it is happening in, in the near future. Their MCP event actually totally filled up, and it is a very good story of if you are going, if you know for a pretty certain fact that you're going to try and go to something... Just sign up. Just put your name in there on the list. It is much nicer for you to have to say, oh, hey, sorry, I can't go because of life or whatever, as opposed to saying, oh, I just found out that I can go and now I can't go because you couldn't get your name on a list. Really, real feel bad moment right there. Especially you could use our link in the description to get into LVO. Those tickets sell out real quick. Real fast. I know that I think when I saw them last year, the Infinity Stunt had a lot the Infinity like the room they were in was also with the MCP and War Machine. I think I think Conquest was in there too. Um they had a lot of room to expand. So if anything, if you sign up early now, they could even potentially expand it to make the event even bigger. You know, more prize support, more stuff like that. So make sure, yeah, I would I always recommend that you sign up too early as opposed to too late because you're more likely to get what you want out of it. If you just do a little pre-planning beforehand, if that makes sense. Second game, funny backstory behind this event. They usually have challenges for round one. At least the past two events, me and Josh, we've always challenged each other. So when we challenged each other for this one, Derek apparently didn't read it or something. And he didn't put us up against each other in the first round. That's why I got put up against the the disgustingness that is Nuds because he's so good. Usually not the kind of caliber player I would go up against because I'm usually like middle bracket, right? So what you're saying is you and your buddy round sure. fix. Start round the submarine one. early. You got to start the submarining early. <laughs> we get lucky. Josh also loses his first game and we get paired up against each other in the second round. So look at that. It's like magic. You go to an infinity tournament. All your dreams will come true. So he is playing Akon, which is the sh- which is shock army, which is also Pano. It is the nomad to, um, sectorial of Pano. And 
he is a goofball and he wants to try and meme me to death. But I taught I taught him. We go up to the table. We are playing Highly Classified. Now, if you don't know what Highly Classified is, you flip a couple cards out of each person's deck and you have a run of four objectives that are known to both people that you're both trying to do. And then you get one private card, which is worth three points by itself. But that's the one the other person doesn't know about. And none of the cards can be repeats. I got a lucky one. I got the telemetry one, which is just pass a spotlight roll. And as nomads, that is definitely not a problem. My list for that one was... You know, I, I hate to admit it, it had some guided missile stuff in it because I realized that it's easy to try and fit in with the nomads because you have really good hackers. My list did not have an engineer. The funny thing is, is neither did his. Now, one of the objectives was one of the engineer ones. So we just kind of ignored that. Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, so the objectives were use the D charge on the opposite side to blow something up, undermine and follow up. Undermine is you, I believe that's the one where you go up to the HVT and you do something. I forget, you make some kind of whip roll. I think it's when you're a heavy infantry or something like that. That, or it's like veteran trooper or something like that. And follow up is, I could be mixing these up. One of them is you go up to the HVT and you make a whip roll. And the other one is, is you cross half the table and then you make a whip roll. And one of those heavy infantry and the other one's like veterans or something like that. Thankfully, veterans includes characters for this ITS season, which I think it has for at least the past couple ones. So I... And glorious braininess brought a hacky, heavy character uh, type list. So I brought two initiatives, a zero, who's my killer hacker. I've really been on killer hacker zeros lately because I really liked having a backup or not even a backup, but just having a killer hacker. Thankfully and or unthankfully, I didn't really go up against any hacking heavy lists. Josh had a couple of them, so I, I melted their brains a little bit, but it wasn't like something that really came up a whole lot in this game or the next one. Uh, I had a riot girl with a missile launcher core, uh, not the core, but the little fire team of three guys or the ladies in this case. Uh, so it was the riot girl with the missile launcher, the MSV two orphan with the rifle and the moderator with a pitcher, just in case I needed a little bit of pitcher placement. Reverend Moira, Agatha and the Reverend custodier as the other team, as the attack team. So I was like, cool. Swagatha is great for so many different objectives because she's good at smashing stuff. In this one, you get to pick a data tracker or a master breacher, sorry, who gets D charges. I was like, let me give it to Swagatha because I know she's going to be crossing the board and she's nasty. So I made her the master breacher, gave her D charges and all that and the extra movement from the no gravity zone, I think, in this one. And then I had a Sin Eater with the Marksman profile, which in my test games got some work done. He did not get any work done during the event. But, you know, tried his little best. And then and then the other group was three Morlocks with DACC weapons. They should have been E and M, but whatever. And the verdict goes on, which is the guided missile bot. I thought I had a pretty good list. We roll off. I get to pick going first and he picks side. I don't think the sides are too big a thing in this one. So I, it was all right. There was a big panic zone in the middle. So it had a nice line of sight blocking thing going on for the whole time. Thought it was a pretty good table. I go first. The reverends do their usual thing. They start moving up forward and they start picking stuff off. I will say that as soon as you say Akon, I'm expecting two Knights of Montessa. So I'm expecting at least two heavy infantry bikers. He did do that. And I'm thinking to myself, let me see if I could take one of them out. Because uh, one of them was the doctor or the paramedic, and the other one was just like the attack, the attacking one, who I believe has a multi rifle off the top of my head. My Reverend team walks up. Thankfully, there's a beautiful building on the other side of the midline that I was like, well, that's going to be the decharge target. Walk right up, just kind of boop it. Nobody stops me. Boom, get some points. I go up and I hack with my custodier because of the way the table's laid out. There's like this big like uh, line of buildings that aren't quite eight inches. On the other side, there was a bunch of orcs and some other goodies that I could hack. So I used the remaining orders in that group. I walk up, I spotlight they some orcs 
with a Führerbach because I was like, no Führerbach for you, sir. And for some reason, I isolated one of the random orcs that was just on the other side, thinking I'll just kind of interrupt his little team that he's got going on. I think it was a Harris just to kind of get rid of the team leader to force him to kind of just deal with it. Come to find out it was his lieutenant. This mad lad had an orc lieutenant (laughs) just like hanging out. And I just happened to isolate him. So that put him in loss of lieutenant. Yeah, that's the face I made. He told me, all right, so I'm at a limit loss. And I was like, what? Your your lieutenant was an orc <laughs> up on the deployment line. I love the random Nexus lieutenant. Like, I'll even make it a hacker and just be like, all right, I you have better things to hack right now, but I have I've eaten that exact thing you just said. I'm like, oh, I'm actually in loss of lieutenant now. And they're like, I didn't kill anything important. I well, killed some unidrones and a Nexus operator. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't yeah. the unidrone. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so I have a pretty good first turn because I randomly put him in Lost Lieutenant. I was like, all right, sweet. So I do all that. I pull my uh, my reverends back because I don't want to lose him first turn and they set up a little defense thing in the midfield. He goes first. Obviously, he doesn't have a whole lot to do just because, you know, he's in Lost Lieutenant. What a dummy. Since he's playing Akon, he's got the regular defensive core where he's got the sniper the sapper and the paramedic and the thing you just see it all the time with akon his stupid sniper crits my sin eater in the face even though the sin eater hits every shot sin eater goes down like a chump i don't have any doctors over there because you know agatha's on the other side of the board so i was like oh that's nice even though he's in lost lieutenant he still manages to pick off a couple of my arrow pieces he rolls his isolated which is at minus nine on a whip pano model he rolls like a two and he passes Definitely not. But yeah, thank, yeah, thanks. The sweet, sweet dab as he does it. He gets out of isolated because sure. And he moves up the Montessis to start sh- shooting at me. And he destroys some of the repeaters that I laid down in order to mess with him hacking wise. Because I was thinking that if I could at least slow him down with hacking, he wouldn't be able to take his bikes and ram them up into my into my butt into my butt. So it did work. Not quite how I was wanting. Hopefully, I was hoping that he would have to spend a little more resources, but he did get a good angle and take out my repeaters. Turn two. I actually use my missile launcher riot girl aggressively. She takes a couple steps over and she says, hey, yo, stupid sniper. I'm going to blow you up with this missile launcher. This piece of crap crits me again. This stupid sapper sniper crit me twice. I'm like, bro, do we need to take this outside? What's up, bro? You're going to keep shooting me with these stupid crits? Thankfully, I don't die, even though it's a DA crit. So thankfully, I save at least two of them. So she doesn't go down. Hooray. Thankfully, Riot Girls are the best model in the game. Have two wounds. So I'm like, fine. I do it again. And I go over there and I blow her up with a missile. And thankfully, I kill her the second time. Then she pulls up just to, and she pulls back just to kind of keep doing arrow duty. Morlocks move up and they start chain rifling up his knights. It is a good trade. I will gladly trade a Morlock for a Knight of Mantessa. They took a couple wounds on their approach up to my repeaters and stuff. I got a couple of shots off with the Reverend Moira and all that stuff. And, you know, that was good stuff. At this point, I take the Reverends and I walk up to the other side of the midfield. And that's when I do follow up and I do undermine and all that. So and obviously, since I did targeting, I got my telemetry card. So I've already scored my three point one. So I go up, I finish all of the other classifieds that I'm actually able to do. I have done everything that I possibly can do other than just murder him off the table. At that point, now we're just playing, playing. We're just playing violence, right? So I keep moving up my reverends and I just machine gun down one of the knights. Hooray. So both of his knights are down. And I'm feeling pretty good. So I pull up, I pull up and everybody starts like castling up in the middle panic room just to kind of protect themselves in case he tries to do anything. Uh, he, he does take one of his paramedics and he shoots uh, his machinist. Machinist was one of the people that got hit by a rocket uh, from the guided missile stuff because that's his only engineer. So he's thinking, oh, I got to get him up. Thankfully, good old classic Pano 
doctoring, that machinist goes down because he's got Fizz 10, so he doesn't have any more engineers. He uses a Spitfire to attack. Uh, I forget what model it has, but he has something with a Spitfire. I'm pretty sure it is a, it might be a regular with a Spitfire. I don't quite remember, but he moves up to try and take out the middle stuff. Agatha guns him down like an animal because she's the boss. Goes back to my turn. The zero hacker killer comes out. Oh, he did bring Scylla, but he didn't bring the bots. He didn't bring any repeater bots. So thankfully, my zero hacker killer just walks up and just melts her brain. Third, third turn. And at that point, I just kind of mop up some of the stuff around. The, uh, the initiate uh, proved to be very good with some AP shooting at some of the orcs and stuff like that. And it was good stuff. And there you go. My turn, I just kind of shoot at a couple things I think that I might manage to beat just to bring down his victory points a little bit. Uh, thankfully, I lose all the rolls and all my stuff dies. So my zero dies and my Moira also goes down after shooting at something. Again, not don't even remember what it was. I'm feeling pretty good. Game ends. And the score for that one was I got nine and he got zero. So I got my full three tournament points. I got 201 victory points left, and he had 61 points left. Pretty bloody. I managed to kill a lot of his stuff. I love playing against Josh. He's got a very similar sense of humor to me, and he's just a great guy. I always appreciate our games. I think the rivalry is settled. I I, I am now 2-1 on him. Because if you remember from the last episode where we talked about Cube, he pulled out the hidden deployment Nagas, which don't have hidden deployment, and he beat me because of it. So the rivalry's been settled. All right, so Josh, if you're listening, just just cheat. You know, Doctor D can't be. You have a bunch of really cheap hidden deployment models uh, that are also (laughs) specialists. It's easy, easy. Hey, my uh, my avatar has hidden deployment. That's super cool, dude. I thought that, (laughs) but I thought that was the Sphinx. Oh, they both do. See, that's crazy. Wow, you know, you learn something every day. Viewers, uh, the avatar does in fact not have hidden deployment. Don't listen to Doctor D. He's talking about. He was. He was night. I think I heard he was nineteenth. You gonna take advice from the person who was nineteenth? All right. So we go into the third game. I'm obviously at this point. You know what I'm aiming for, Brady? You know what happens when you're one and one? Do you know what you're aiming for? You're aiming for middle list, baby. Damn right. So I'm like thinking to myself, if I get a pretty solid game, maybe I'll take home the medal, which is also again a giant brick of metal with ribbon attached to it because. This, that's how we do it up here in New England, ladies and lady and gentlemen. If you want a big stupid medal that says Middleist on it, you come up here for a cube for your die. Oh, also, you'll be happy to know this, Brady. I was recently approached by the guy that runs the MCP stuff, and he has said, hey, do you know a guy who makes Middleist awards? And I was like, oh, yeah, I know. We're the, we're the change we want Damn to right. see in so the world. So if you want to see the world become a better place, create a Middleist award near you. I'm going to th- the third game. Uh, I'm going up against the guy whose I- ITS name is Jello. He is a regular in this area. He's a fantastic man. Great guy. Super friendly. I've never actually played against him, but he's always been around. And, you know, we've like made comments at each other and stuff like that. This game cemented it. We get along pretty well. Um, my sense of morbid humor didn't drive him away. So, hey, you know, that makes us best friends. Uh, we got to get matching Chewbacca masks. To complete the pure trifecta, he is also playing Akon, which that's what you call the old Pano hat trick when you go to an event and you only play against Pano. Oh, boy. I was I was super excited. It was great. So, you know, it's weird. You go to events and you never see Pano. But for some reason, like multiple events I've gone to, it's only been Pano. I don't understand it. I feel like I've gone to some cube events and there's just I don't think I saw a single Pano. So you're saying is like I could like stand behind you and just like hold beside. Yeah, it just I guess pano. so. I don't mind playing against Pano. That's fine. But how weird to go up against all three of the people there playing Pano. 
Were there more people playing Panda? There was, was only two people playing people? Akon, and I think I only saw the one guy playing Vanilla. So they all got in line and got their tickets sure to did. kick well, your I ass. I kicked it. I kicked his butt pretty good. He's well, he failed, failed then. Josh, all the Pano are going to kick you out. You're not part of the Pano club anymore. Your gun. You're not part of the Pano alliance <laughs> anymore. I don't know what police chief sounds like that. Third game, we're playing Firefight. I'm using the exact same list that I just talked about before. So I got my Reverend's little team and my little core defensive team. Jello is playing Akon, but thankfully he's spinning it up just enough. He's playing a double tick list. So two tick belongs. And he is using them in duos with two Knights of Montessa. So that's where the majority of his points go. He, I already go into it knowing that he has two ticks because somebody else was talking about the other, the, the Acom player that had two ticks. Well, guess what? I went against the other tick, uh, the other Acom player. There was only one other Acom player there. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm expecting two ticks <clears throat> unless he decides to change his list. But who does that? What kind of weirdo uses multiple lists in an event? Squares. That's who. I walk up to the table we roll off. I lose. He decides to go first. And he, you know, for some reason, he holds two models in reserve. I just, I don't know why he does it. And so he has both of his Knights of Montessa. Yeah, I know the, the <laughs> questioning face. Um, he has two Knights of Montessa on the sideboards. So again, I kind of already knew what was coming. So I made fun of him. I was like, oh, wow, it's so strange. You're missing about two tags worth of points on your list there, buddy. Are you, you got anything you want to say? You got anything you want to say, Mr. Jello? So I put all my stuff down. Uh, I set up again. I kind of favor a little bit on the left side just because that's where I want to make my major push. And the right side is mostly just a Morlock and a little bit of like hacky type. Um, you know, I always put my repeaters on top of buildings and stuff that people can't get to. And I love, 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 love to see a good tall building with parapets up where they just cannot see it unless they climb up this obnoxious building. Because now it's just an eight inch. You're not allowed to be here. No fun hacking zone. When you add in a guided list, a guided missile list, it adds some teeth because now they have to expect, oh, whatever piece I push through this area, even if it's not hackable, it's on the active turn for the opponent. It's probably going to die. Thinking back, I may not like I might want to put some more regular orders in with the guided missile. I've noticed that usually if I do get shots off with the guided missile, I'm probably only getting like one or two shots off, give or take. Right. Because you're probably going to hit because guided is. I have opinions about guided. I'm not its biggest fan, but you are probably going to hit more often than you don't. And it's also excessively deadly. So in that situation, people know it. They're probably not going to give you too many opportunities to do it. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe get one or two shots. Probably a list building thing for next time. But yeah, so he goes first. I, I do a little bit more null deploy. I know that he has bikes. So my thinking is I better stick a couple little things out just to kind of harass him a little bit more than I might if somebody doesn't have like a, a really good attack piece. But he goes first. His tick. Up on top of a roof, shoots at my Sin Eater. The Sin Eater dies like a chump, doesn't hit anything because he's a loser. And he deserves to go back to Bakunin in pieces. Um, he's dead to me, even though he's got Marksman. Was he one of the ones who broke when you went to uh, when he no, went to No, actually, he dunks? stayed in one piece. Well, you should take there him and go. smash him on the ground. You're thinking. Uh, also, as as an ironic twist, I actually built one of my old sin eaters because I was thinking if I for, if it ever um, if I felt the need to use the Bashi Bazook and hollow mask him as another sin eater because most people know when they see neurosynetic they're like ooh I better like move around that kind of weird and put it like in an unoptimized position kind of protecting just like one lane I may not like really want him to do it didn't really come up in our games but. It's always something that I always think uh, because because he is a regular. You don't want to do it if you're going first 
because the irregular order kind of gives it away because the senator is in fact a regular model. But if you're going second and you want to kind of trip your opponent up, I, I noticed that that's kind of funny um, for anybody out there who think that might be a funny idea or you can apply it to your own faction. Uh, give me credit and you can send the money to my PayPal account. Um, just email me and I'll, send, I'll tell you what it is. Anyway, his tech moves up, kills my senator. One of the knights moves up to try and get rid of a Morlock. This ballsy Morlock manages to kill the knight. And um, yeah, he, he moves up to try and take on my Morlock. And thankfully, my Morlock and one of the initiatives in the camo token, that, that is a camo token, manages to put it down. This is after it gets targeted because it goes through one of the hacking zones that he forgets is there because that's one of the glorious things about putting repeaters on roofs is people forget they're there. Uh, thankfully, I think it's a pretty good trade. A Morlock and an initiate for a knight. Super happy with that. My turn comes up. The Moira pops up from her bar. Uh, her and the other reverends decided that they were going to hang out at a bar uh, and get full cover from a like a bar stool because that's how this game works. So the Moira uh, starts machine gunning the tick on top of the roof next to the sappers. I'm thinking if I manage to take out a tick and I manage to take out the ARO sniper, I'm in a really good spot to move up and try and get all the objectives done. Don't even remember what the objectives are. Spoiler, I don't do any of them. Uh, here's why. My Moira manages to kill the tick. It takes about five orders, give or take. He makes some... I, I am amazed at how many times the Moira hits. I'm like, oh, yeah, getting like five and four hits. I'm like, yeah, this thing is going down. No problem. He passes like five armor saves with contemptuous ease. I think he needs like a seven or something to pass. I'm like, surely a couple will slip through. The first wave of shots, I do two wounds. I'm like, oh, yeah, baby, you only got one wound left. You're going down, nerd. He manages to pass every armor saves for like four more orders. I was like, oh, that's nice. Thank you. Thank, I really I really appreciated that. Then... My Moira wiggles over just a little bit with the rest of her team. They jump over the bar stools, and I'm thinking, okay, I better get in the midfield so I can do some of the objectives because one of them is like a coup de gras and all that stuff. I'm pretty sure I had extreme prejudice in there. She pops around the corner to take out this sapper sniper, hits five times, and of course, in classic, classic sapper luck, I get crit and I die because for some reason, if you're a regular sniper, you're going to crit me, and there's nothing I can do about it. I don't know why I try. Because if you're playing, if you play Akon, that regular sniper is going to blow my brains across the wall because that's what he keeps doing. Point on your face where the sniper right into shot my you. eyeball through the hail of bullets. That single little DA shot just weep, and then just blasted my brains. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me with these regular sapper snipers, guys. I've got minus six men and I'm in cover. You're at minus nine. Why do you keep critting me? <laughs> so, you know, she's dead. And, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, well, at that point, I have four more orders. I actually do a really painful thing. And I'm like, I'm just not going to move because if I move up anymore, I'm going to expose things that I really don't want to expose, especially when there's at least one more tick and one more Knight of Montessa on the board. They were a duo at that point. So it was the duo that had both. So he goes next. He drops in a, I'm going to mispronounce this. I think it's pronounced the, the Sith, Sith Commando, which is the parachutist troop it's pronounced the sith and they see i don't think that's how you pronounce it but i think it's an indian thing i think oh now now i now i'm now if i'm I'm wrong i'm gonna get a lot of hate mail i'm sorry so (laughs) i I made the joke about it so i'm the star wars reference people like star wars people don't like in the pre in the prequels the best star wars come at me nerds it's so good so this commando uh, pops on to the right side of the table, which doesn't have anything else over there because that bike managed to kill it all. This this mofo's got a Spitfire. Nasty piece of tech for a drop troop. And he comes around the corner and he's like, hey, yo, this, it reminds me of Bran. Gimli has revenge on me because it's all it's all coming back. 
That guy comes around the corner. He's like, oh, hey, look, Agatha. Are you Agatha and you're super cool? Boom, you're dead. Comes around the corner a little bit more. Oh, you that custodian over there who's really important for most of the objectives that Dylan's trying to pull off? Boom, you're dead. I ain't got no MSV. I'm shooting through your mimetism. You ain't nothing. You a loser. That's who you are. And then he comes around. And he's like, oh, you a Morlock over there on the other side the table? Boom, you're dead. Oh, are you one of the moderators? Boom, you're dead. Now, viewer, if you know me and you know how I play this game, my lieutenants die. They die a lot. My custodian was the lieutenant. So that's fun. So I was in lost lieutenant for the next round. Now, thankfully, my riot girl was like, can you please stop? Boom, killing everything. Here's a missile. You're dead. Boom. Thankfully, the commando exploded and I felt a little bit better. Now, I did forget to mention in the last turn, Agatha, because she's a really swell doctor. As I was moving up, I shot the sin eater in the butt with a healing dart. He got back up. I was like, oh, sweet. And I got some better ARO pieces that came back to life. This game's great. It's in the bag, baby. And then my mortar got murdered. And I was like, okay, maybe it's not all great. I didn't know this, Brady, but maybe you'll learn from this. If you're shooting one of your own models with a healing gun, the mimetism counts against you. I I did not know that. But I still hit, thankfully. But I was like, huh, I didn't know that was a thing. I don't think they get cover because I think you choose to take cover or not. But with mimetism, you can't choose to turn off your mimetism. We could be wrong. At least on that bit. It doesn't kill your model if you miss the shot. You just yeah, miss the shot. The mimetism doesn't make it harder to succeed that willpower well, check. Well, it's a fizz check. A fizz check. Sorry, but 11, yes. So it was a pretty bad chance, but it was one of those things where you were like walking up. I might as well take the shot. And it worked out. But the commando managed to shoot him in the butt because of the, the line of sight lines. Yeah, it was, a, it was a bad time. My turn comes up. I'm in loss of lieutenant. Zero in the middle table. One of the objectives for this thing is to poke the penelope, the pineapples, more than the other person. So I was trying to steal more pineapples than him. My zero found a flamethrower in the pineapple box. I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, don't know if I'm ever going to get to use that. So at this point, I knew I was in a bad spot. I was going to have to make the Hal Mary because most of my attack pieces by this point were dead. The only thing I really had left was the Orphan with the MSV, and I sure as heck don't want to waste it on a turn that I don't have any orders, right? Because I don't have a lieutenant. So I bring on the Bashi on the opposite side of the table, because in Firefight, you can parachute anywhere on the table. And I'm thinking to myself, let me at least set it up for next turn. I found a little spot that they could pop out on. They pop out, and the only thing I can see him is a flashbulb spot. I'm like, surely he can't. He's got a one in three chance. Perfect hit. Hits my model, all that, great. So I get blinded as I come in, so I can't even really spend any more of the irregular orders I have. So I'm just going to stand there, and I put him in a spot and makes him a little bit harder to get to. Boom. His turn. His last tick moves up into a little kerfuffle with my Riot Girl. I don't know why I play anything else other than Missile Launcher Riot Girls, because it's the only thing that gets work done, and my Riot Girl managed to win and blow that stupid tick up. Go Riot Girls. Riot Girls for life. He shoots at the Bashy a little bit. The Bashy somehow manages to survive everything, so... That's cool. And Bashi's there. My last turn, I got like four orders. The game is a foregone conclusion. So my whole thing was, hey, I have a card to Extreme Prejudice something. Or it might have been the Casey Vac thing. I don't remember which one, but there was an unconscious model that was pretty close. So I was thinking, okay, Orphan's going to use all the orders to go over there. Essentially, I have to move, move as much as possible. I get one shot against the Knight of Montessa. Surely I'll take it out with my multi-marksman rifle. Sure, right? Yeah, right. So the Orphan walks up. And in classic Dylan faction, I get crit at the first opportunity and die. And that was it. That was the end of that game. So wonderful. Uh, we counted up the points and he got the full 10. I got none because I'm a big loser. I had 80 victory points left. My list was decimated by that commando who just went on a rampage and murdered every valuable model I had. And I managed to kill 
a lot a lot of jello. He only had 106 left. So the two ticks and the only thing he really had that was still up was a bunch of regulars and his last night of Montessa. Overall, pretty good game. I wonder how different it would have been if the Moira hadn't gotten crit on that heavy. Because, again, I don't even feel bad about that engagement because I was five dice on his two. And I was definitely on the higher dice thing because bonuses and all that. He's at least at minus three. I, I joked slightly about the, you know, not blaming dice, but Infinity definitely does have that a little bit more than other war games where, no, that was the correct engagement. And they just, their dice decided, you know what? Critting is fun. And like, Can I turn off my mimetism? And like, nah, too late. Like, that nah. game I don't feel necessarily very bad just because a lot of the engagements I probably should have won. The commando probably would have still done a lot of damage, you know, thinking about it now, like thinking how I might have deployed. But if I had managed to take out that sapper, the sapper sniper, I think that my team would have been further up into the table or I might have pushed out, killed it. And depending on however many orders I had left, maybe build myself a little bit better of like a suppression uh, bubble. So I don't know. It's hard to say, obviously, would the it would have really come down to if the Moira still survived, would it have been good enough to get rid of the commando before it went on a full rampage. I don't know. It's interesting to speculate on, but overall, I didn't really have a great showing at the tournament. I did get 19th out of 24th. I had a really good time. All my opponents were fantastic. I definitely don't have any complaints. It's funny because like I journal a lot, like, you know, because I don't know if anybody's ever noticed this, but I'm a bit of a passionate. Let's just say that. So I get very energetic about things. I like to journal about like things that I don't want to say make me upset, but I do like I write down things that I notice throughout the day that make me like not happy or make me especially happy or blah, 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 whatever. And something I have noticed very steadily over the past couple cube events and to some extent, Queen's Gambit, the one where I met you and the person in the bonus episode that's coming out soon. His name is uh, Ian. Great guy plays mud. So when I played these events, I have noticed and this is a bit of a tournament thing is I have been able to lose so much more gracefully than I used to be able to. Maybe it's because I'm older. Maybe it's because my testosterone levels are not as high as they used to be. But I have definitely noticed that like if I had had the crit thing happen to me even like a year ago, I might have like, I wouldn't say flown off the handle, but I'd have been like, you have got to be insert a bunch of bleeps here, right? And I would have just gotten upset. But that wouldn't have been fair to the other person. It's not like they roll that stuff on purpose, right? It's not like you consciously think, oh, I'm going to throw this dice and I'm going to crit them. Now, the thing I will say against Jello is that some of the engagements I didn't even go really go over, but this guy crit. When he crit, he wasn't like, oh, it's just one dice. He crit me twice, two times in a row with two dice out of the pool. So I got crit in two shots. I got crit four times. In that case, I can't even blame my own dice because that what my dice weren't even involved <laughs> in the roll. The Chad Jello dice versus the the Virgin Doctor. So, what, D thankfully, dice. one of the awards for the in the prize pool was a bunch of custom made. I don't want to say custom made, but the new Baron of Dice D uh, twenties. Some of them are gorgeous, so I grabbed two of those in a vain attempt to maybe find dice that don't that don't hate me as much. So Gimli uh, is a person who crits me a lot. I play him frequently. His goal, all his D20s have been rescued from the ground of various shops. And I think that's why they work so well for him because they're D they're, they're rescued. And so I think you picking those dice as like your prizes, they're going to be like, all right, father, we, we will do this for you. I think there is that, like you need that connection that's with your dice. So. Uh, Cause it's uh it's, 
it's disgraceful to be the host of a Infinity podcast, and I'm barely able to make it above the first percentile of the people that score. <laughs> people that score. Now, the guy I did win got last, so that made me feel really good. Uh, that the only person I could win was the person that got last place. <laughs> so he's going to get a spoon sent to him. Overall, amazing event. Definitely no downsides to it. It was all great. We went and got food afterwards, like we always do, and we were just hooping and hollering the whole time. 100%. Again, if you have any any thought behind joining us at a cube event in new hampshire 100 support the idea you should definitely do it everybody there is just great to be around and the store itself is actually really it's a great store any questions i gonna say the name of the store is uh, midgard games and hobbies just you know again all the stores we mentioned are not sponsors but they're places where we play and dairy eat, dairy so. new hampshire is just north of Massachusetts. It's about an hour north of Boston. So if you're in the New England area, it's pretty easy to get to. Thankfully, the highways go right there. And probably the last bit of, you know, cap off news, at least over kind of in that section, is the next uh, event in New Hampshire, the New Hampshire area. I'm technically over across the line again, back into Massachusetts. Uh, we'll be at Queen's Gambit. Uh, oh, what is the name of the event? Unfortunately, I I am the worst podcast host of an Infinity because I'm missing two events Regis in a row. Is the name of it. Yeah, get so metal. Sign soon. up. The date on that one is July eighth, so it's coming up pretty soon. They have not fully announced when the next Cube Free event is, but I believe it is sometime. It's going to be somewhere in middle September. I think is the thought process. If I I think they speculated it might be the 16th unless something weird happens. So s- tentatively speaking, September 16th, I think. So I hope you're there, Brady. I will be so disappointed if I have to miss that one. The last thing I want to kind of leave off on, because we brought in some good advice, I think, for new uh, tournament goers or people who are a little bit nervous. I think the biggest thing that you mentioned, the most important thing to bring is a good attitude. Because again, you can... You can choose to be mad about someone's dice or your own dice. But again, you you really realistically have no control over it. It is all the wrist. You know, if you want crits, it's all about the wrist flick. But realistically, you you can control your attitude. Uh, I know I sometimes struggle with it. I know we've all struggled with the different parts in the past. But if you have fun, regardless of winning or losing, you will always have a good game. I mean, if your entire enjoyment of the game is based on like what dice you rolled, you will have a hard time having consistent fun and you spend so much time and energy on preparing for the event. And then it takes you all day to play the event. So if you're going to be mad about those, like you're just setting yourself up to have. Yeah. I mean, why would you want to like go somewhere to be miserable? Actually, it's funny that this comes up. Epictetus, famous stoic philosopher. He says that when you find yourself in a situation where you have two handles available, You need to pick the right handle. One of the handles is the one that's easy to pick up. It's the common ground you find between people, while the other handle is the one that's heavy to pick up, coarse, and it's going to hurt your hand. In this situation, the common ground is, if you're playing a game of of infinity with somebody, you have a lot in common. You guys are practically like family by, you know, by everything but blood. You guys are like, you both came all the way out to this place. You spent money. You painted little model men and you're playing this stupid game, right? And you don't like you don't really want to like get on this person's bad side because you probably are going to play them again. And they're the and everybody took all the time to do all this. Why make them miserable? Well, if you don't do that, you could be the person that everybody talks about where they're just like, I really hope I don't get paired against this guy. And then, you know, you have that like like that awkwardness of like the other person really isn't like fully engaged in the game. You know what I mean? And that's never a fun experience. So in this situation, yeah, it is all about attitude. When you really think about all the things that you have control of in this world, 
other than model placement, the only thing you can truly control is your own attitude. So just try and remember that next time you go to an event. So I will say, Dr. D, you, you have become that person for me. Not that I don't want to get paired against that person. I don't want that person paired on the table <laughs> next to me. Because you are so loud and having such a good time. It's like, yeah, but I need to hear what my opponent, what mods my opponent told me I have I have to deal with. And you are just bombastic. So it's like, I want Dr. D to be paired either with me or like four tables just away. Don't go anywhere near the bottom. Ta- <laughs> See, that's the incentive for you to win is to be at top tables because I won't be over there. I'll be in the middle and in the back. So if you play well, know that you won't be anywhere near me. So you run off. And the thing is, is like, I don't even think I'm that bad of a player. I just like. For some reason, if you've got regular uh, sapper snipers, you're going to blow my brains out and I don't have any say in the matter. So I'm going to lose the game. So if you don't want to play, if you want to beat me, just bring Akon and you'll be fine. Or play vanilla, vanilla Pano and bring (laughs) bring regulars, the regular sniper. It's just like a regular single piece. You get mad props from me if you do that. (laughs) Uh, And that's the infinity tip of the week. (laughs) If you're playing vanilla Pano, bring the sapper sniper. On that fantastic note, I think that's a good time. All to, right, uh, Brady, I think out. we did it again. I think we um, bestowed some great knowledge to the Infinity community. Guys, if you can, please give us some five-star reviews. I got a, a great feedback on all of the stores that have five-star reviews carved into their bathroom stalls from all the people that we asked to do that from last time. A lot of Michelin three-star restaurants, you know, they took like butter knives and they just carved it into the the side of the wall. Arachne, best podcast. If you guys have the opportunity, please give us a five-star review on your podcast catchers. We are seeing the reviews. We are stunned by the what we've been told so far. And everybody seems to be really liking the show. And obviously, if you're still here after the fifth episode, we must be doing something right. Yeah, please uh, continue to, again, as well as review, share it with your friends, family, pets, if they have phones, if they don't have phones, buy them phones. It's the 21st century. Everyone's online. Get them phones, then get them this podcast. It I really think dogs would do out. really well with like razors, you know, like those old like flip phones. It's a nice cheap phone, you know, it's a, just spoil them. Christmas is coming, right? Christmas in July. All right, guys, thanks for listening, Nomads. Make sure you keep it popping out there and don't let Aleph get you. It's never too late to embrace the involved intelligence.